Well, Harvest, it is great to be back. Thank you, uh, choir, Nick, the team. Uh, Karen and I just had a tremendous, incredible time together over in Israel these past couple of Sundays we've been gone. And uh, I'll just say this, it was one of those, uh, you just had to be there times. And I'll say this, uh, there's an invite to you, I'm going to be making mention here later on, but I'd like for you to be there. Um, we'll talk about that later. I'll tell you, there was just something incredibly amazing about walking around and looking at the very roads here and there, not everywhere, but there were places to where it's like these were the original roads in the area of this where Christ walked. It was incredible. To be in a place where it was in, this was the doorways. Christ had to have walked through one of these two or three doorways into the synagogue over in the area. Listen, I'll tell you, it was amazing. And to be able to be on the Sea of Galilee, to be able to be down in Jerusalem and to look. And yeah, things have changed since 2,000 years ago, but the horizon's the same. And just to be able to look and go, Christ looked at these things. For us, it was just... uh, just very, very special. And uh, I will tell you this, Harvest, it has totally cranked me up even more for ministry here with you. It uh, is one of those times to where you walk away and you just go, yep, what we're doing, what we're talking about, this is for real. I mean, this is real deal stuff. Thanks, Nick. This is real deal stuff that's going on. And um, I'm just thrilled to be able to uh, be here with you uh, doing this. And I get to come back after all of that, and I get to come back and finish off a series about being full throttle. I'm like, it's perfect timing. Um, But let me put it this way. This is not about finishing off a series about being full throttle. The reality is, is that my objective has been for us just to set out before us a whole new renewed passion that folks full throttle. I don't want to do this. I know you don't want to do this just to do church. This is about being full throttle for Christ and pursuing ahead with that. So here's the deal for today. We're going to open our Bibles to Paul's letter to Titus. Okay, we're going to go to Titus and we're going to review this letter together. In fact, we're going to read it. Uh, I'm going to be reading chapter 1, then you're going to be helping me in reading chapters 2 and 3, and we're going to do this kind of as a review over of this letter that we've been studying for the last two and a half months. And then after that, I'm going to lay before you uh, 10 acceleration increasers I'd like for you to consider. Uh, Because I don't want to just finish this off and go, cool. I want to finish this off and go, okay, what's the next step for me? What's the next step for you? Because this church is made up of us. And if we're going to kick it out, if we're going to have all hands on deck, all arms in the sled, and cranking it out for Christ, that means all of us have to be taking a look at what can I be doing to increase my passion and my effectiveness for Christ. So we're going to hit that a little bit later. But uh, before we get there, let me pray. God, thank you again for the time this morning, the time to sing and rejoice. And just as Nick said during the singing time, thank you that this is about real people. This is real people before a real God. This isn't a a cartoon. This isn't a philosophy. This isn't a cutesy idea. This is real. 
and you're alive and you're on the throne and we're here and we get to open your word and love it. I pray you would be here strong this morning. Speak to us through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some people around that would love to let you borrow one and uh, have one if you don't have one at all. But uh, Titus chapter 1, are you there? Uh, what, what letter are we in? Titus. Titus, all right. Here we go. And what chapter are we starting with? One. Chapter 1, good. Here we go. Chapter 1, verse 1, Paul. Paul is a what? He's a servant of God. So Paul is writing this letter. Let's just jump down real quick because that's the intro. Paul's writing this letter to who? <laughs> it's been two and a half months, folks. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to who? Titus. Okay, Titus, he's, this, he's his true child. He's his ministry partner. Let me just a little bit of background real quick. This is about 24 years after Paul has come to know Christ. I mean, for much of Paul's life, Philippians chapter 3, the, Paul was not an apostle, but he, he was what maybe we could say, he was a religious cranked up zealot, but he did not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He was a religious zealot, and 24 years before this point in time, he comes to know Christ. And some years later, after that, after having some discipleship time, after having some maturity in Christ, he then goes on a one missionary, first missionary journey. Then he goes on a second missionary journey. Then he goes on a third missionary journey, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to those areas outside of Israel. Then he's arrested by the Romans. He's tried in Rome. Then he's freed from that. And now he's in this trip going to Crete. And there he is on this island of Crete. He docks up there along with Titus, his ministry partner, kind of, if you will, his ministry son. Um, and there they are on the island of Crete. They're forming churches. People have already there. We know from Acts chapter 2, at the time of Pentecost, there were people from the island of Crete at Pentecost. They heard about the gospel. They come back. People are coming to Christ. But Paul and Titus are there to help get things put together and forming churches and getting them cranked up for what God would want them to do and to be. And he leaves Titus there. Uh, Paul heads on to Nicopolis, where on the way he's writing this letter to Titus. He's probably likely also writing the letters to Timothy uh, right about the same time. And let, let me pick up in verse 5. So why did he leave Titus there on Crete? Verse 5. Titus, this is why I left you on Crete. Man, they get right at it. This is why I left you on Crete, so that you might put what remained into order, and two, that you might appoint elders in every town. Listen, God desires for his people to be ordered, to be ordered together. By the way, it's, it's, it's important here because of this. The idea that Paul and Titus are there, and Titus is being left on to continue putting things in order, has this idea behind it, within it, that God's people are supposed to be meeting together. Listen, the whole Jesus thing is not about me and Jesus all on my own little island world, me and Jesus, and we're just chucking along in time together. That's never been God's idea. It's about once I become part, part of the family, I'm in the family, and I have to be part of a family, local family of believers. And so Titus is left there to help put some more things in order. Secondly, the thing we learn from that is part of that order is leadership. Titus is there to appoint leadership. Well, what kind of leadership? I'm glad you asked that because let's keep reading. Verse 6, 
Titus, if anyone is above reproach, this is the kind of leadership, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer or an elder, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. But, here's the contrasting, but he must be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So leadership is put in place. That's the kind of leadership. And I'm going to be, as we're doing this, pulling up a couple of the slides that we've used through this series. And this sums up all those things. There's a lot of things listed there that should be character qualities of an elder, of a, of a leader in a church. And all that kind of stuff is the kind of stuff that God wants for these guys to be able to be about. Listen, leadership is so important because bad leadership in a church can bag it. Many of you know about that. Many of you have experienced that bad leadership can bag God's church and drag God's church in the full throttle, a uh, kind of sled view. But leadership that is truly, that is humble and living it out for Christ can help that sled kick it out with great effectiveness. Leadership is important in the local church. Well, why do we need that kind of leadership? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because verse 10, For there are many, Titus, who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, Titus, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Titus, in fact, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Wouldn't you love that as your cultural flag to fly over your nation? Verse 13, this testimony is true. In fact, Titus, he's right. Therefore, Titus, as a result of that, you need to make sure you understand that you're to rebuke them sharply. Not just to rebuke them sharply so that you like when and you're like in their face. But look at this, and we talked about this before. Rebuke them sharply for a purpose that they may become sound in the faith. There's a whole different attitude behind that. And not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people. It's not about legalism, who turns away from the truth. Titus, to the poor, to the redeemed, all things are pure. Uh, but to the pure, I'm sorry, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. Titus, I hate to say this, but they're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Yowzers. Why that kind of leadership? That kind of leadership because there's tr untruth being told and because truth needs to be told. Truth needs to be held up high and waved high. A full-throttle church must have full-throttle leadership. A full-throttle church must have full-throttle leadership. Titus chapter 1. By the way, Harvest, I just want to give you an update because we had actually spent uh, a good three weeks on what we just read back in September. 
And a big part of that is because being in the process as a new church, if you're not familiar, we're less than two years old as a, as a church plant. We're the 25th church plant from Harvest Bible Chapel up in Chicago. And uh, we're in this process, this normal process, where as a plant now, we begin putting leadership in place. And I had mentioned to you at that time, been talking with two guys here that we're looking to have uh, interviewing, going through the process as elders. And I just want to let you know, I'd hope to be at the place where all that's in place and we're moving ahead and even getting them installed. But in light of my couple weeks being gone and Kent Shaw up at Harvest, him being over in Romania for a couple weeks with ministry, we've kind of put it back a month, unfortunately. But I want to let you know we're in that process. I talked with Kent, we're getting that set up. So these couple guys are going to be interviewing, uh, Skype interviewing with uh, three of the four topest dogs up at Harvest, and it's a cool, it's a cool opportunity. I'm just going to tell you, God has blessed this church, and God has given it favor even before a mega church that has been our parent church, and uh, it's very special. So I'll be letting you know, Lord willing, here in a couple weeks we'll be on that, but I wanted to let you know um, that we're about a month behind on that, so appreciate your patience. Uh, Titus chapter 2. Let me read verse 1, then I'm going to use your help. Titus, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. I love the transition there. Because right before that, Paul is talking about, Titus, listen, there's people out there who are deceivers, and they're, they're teaching what's untrue, and all this kind of stuff. But you, Titus, remember, Titus, you're to be a full-throttle leader, and Titus, you need to make sure and teach sound truth. And you just kind of see Titus going, oh, man, I am being held to the wall, absolutely. Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is doctrine that's right on tune. It's hitting the note. Now, these next verses, you're going to help me. So can we bring the next slide up? And we've got some verses here that I'm going to have the various groups of us read. And we've studied through all this, if you've been here uh, at the time. And so what I'm going to do is empty nest. Now, empty nest, what does that mean? Empty nest means that you're very close to the stage. Let's say maybe either all the kids are gone or you don't have kids at home anymore. You're in your mid, upper 40s, 50s, and uh, the kids are gone or you're, you're there. They're almost gone. It's one more year until life gets, I know, until uh, you're at that point. That's an empty nester. So here's the deal. We're gonna, I'm going to have you stand. Guys, men who are empty nesters, would you please stand? And we're going to read this. And then after that, I'm going to have the empty nest women. By the way, it is, I love this because so often people come to a church like ours that's, quote, contemporary, and they think that you're a church just for 30, 20, 30, maybe 40-year-olds. And look at this. This is cool. This is a hand blessing of God. So all ages want to hear the word, want to sing with music that is about expressing the now time, what is happening today in people's lives. And so guys, let's read it because this is a call for us. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Older men. Guys, that's your call. That's your call. Go ahead and sit down. Uh, empty nest women, would you please stand? Okay, yes. Okay, girls, here you go. Older women.
Excellent. Okay, younger women, would you please stand? That's basically everybody else that's a woman and hasn't stood. <laughs> Ryan, are you up over there as well? All right, girl. Go ahead and stand up, Ryan, and you read with the ladies too, okay? Here we go. Younger women, and so... Thank you. Okay, younger men, your turn. All right, are you think you're going to be able to just take one breath, and I think you can get through your statement. All right, here you go. Ready and go. Okay, younger men, like any questions on what God has for you? Okay, go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, let's bring up the next slide, please, Andrea. Listen, this is what we had talked about in those weeks. Again, today's a review. Titus chapter 1 and 3, empty nest men, live on purpose, live Christ-like character, live a truth-driven life, live faith, live love, and live it consistently, men. That's our call. And as we're going through this, everybody, I want you looking at your area and going, what do I need to be working on? What's one thing I can be kicking it out for and advancing the cause for Christ? Empty nest women, living high standards, living with a controlled tongue, living fully engaged, and living to influence, and living to influence the younger women, as the text talks about. Uh, younger women, her life is moldable, her love is given at home, her ways are driven by truth, her beauty is her purity, her activities are about her home, her kindness is evident, herself is yielded. And younger men, uh, he betrays himself for that which is superior. He's a Genesis 39 kind of a man, Joseph before Potiphar's wife. How can I sin before my God? It's a 1 Corinthians 9, 22 to 27 kind of a younger man. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave. Listen, I just want this Jesus thing to be simple and easy and convenient for me when I want it. I wish it was. I really do. But then I'm glad it's not. Look at the list in your area. Seriously, what's, in, what's something you can be? Noting down, guys are self-controlled. What's an area in your life you need to get after? We'll be talking about that in a little bit. Let me pick up in verse 7, because now it turns to me. Verse 7, Doug, Nick, Eric, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. In verse 9, I'd like to bring that one up and you just go ahead and stay seated. I'd like for everybody to read this together. It says slaves, but when we talked about it, I explained through that, we're really talking about, listen, if slaves are to do this, how much more are workers to be doing this, whether at home or in a job? So let's go ahead and read this together. Workers. love that last statement. It's Christmas time. Are you seeing your work at home, at, at your employment, as an opportunity to adorn, to dress with a beautiful little added adorning ornament, the goodness in the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
It's not just about earning money. It's an opportunity to make Jesus Christ real where you are at. Adorn it. Oh, love it. Chapter 2, a full-throttle church must have full-throttle people. Not only must a full-throttle church have full-throttle leadership, but it must have full-throttle people, and that includes uh, pastor, pastors, and if you will, and I kind of use the illustration of myself, a model of good works, uh, integrity with God's truth, seriousness with God's truth, accuracy with God's truth. That was my picture at the Wailing Wall. <laughs> and then for everybody else... Uh, Yielding to your employer, excellence for your employer, respectfulness and honesty and loyalty. Listen, those are, these are the kinds of things. Folks, listen, a full-throttle church has full-throttle people. And can you just, just take a moment and imagine with me, what if just right here, we've got another service yet coming, but what if just right here, all of us were the kind of people that were really working to advance these kind of characteristics and traits in our own lives, how God would bless that as a church family. You get this idea out of chapter 2 that God wants to have churches with people that are passionate, cranking it out, engaged with one another, serious about the whole thing for Christ's glory. And it's so sad when you go around and church is around and it's just like, dude, is there like any life here? In fact, does anyone care? And maybe, does, do you care about anything outside of yourself? And yet, look at this. If this is a place where God is working in your life and my life in these kind of ways, oh, I just want to tell you, friends, God has some big, neat stuff in store. I don't know what that is. Maybe God's given us down the road a ministry to suffer. I have no idea. We leave Israel, and a week later, they're already chucking some bombs last night. I want to tell you, this is a cool opportunity. Full throttle leadership and full throttle people. Well, let's hit chapter 3 as we finish our reviewing. Verses 1 and 2, I'll read those. Remind them, Titus, to be submissive to rulers and authorities. We're getting outside of leadership. We're getting outside of the church, if you will, inside itself. And we're getting outside into the world to rulers and authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. What people? All people. That's a lot of people. Let's all pick up uh, number three. Uh, let's do it the next slide. I'd like for all of us to read this. Here we go. Ready? For we ourselves... Stop. Uh, hello? Wow. Ouch. Paul, do you like have some bad pizza yesterday? Look at the humility of this. Hey, folks, this is not about some elite group. This is not about aren't we incredible. Listen, we know what it's like to live foolishly. We know what it's like to be disobedient, to be led astray, to be slaves to passions and pleasures. We know about what that's like, and we know the continued battle of it, right? But let's go on, because what's the next word? Oh, that's a huge word. 
because it's a contrasting, it's a movement, there's hope, let's go, but when... It's all grace. Verse 8, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, avoid genealogies, avoid uh, dissensions, avoid quarrels about the law, for they're unprofitable and worthless. Or maybe a translation could be is because they're stupid. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, Titus have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. Verse 12, when I, sent, when, when I sent Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me in Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. In other words, be fruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you, Titus. Greet those who love us in the face Faith, grace be with you all. Again, do you get this idea that Paul wants to see local churches that are about this aggressive moving toward effectiveness and impact? None of this, let's just all come together and have fun and like play bingo. I mean, hey, listen, I'm all about having fun together, but on the whole, there's a purpose behind this. And Titus' job was to help the churches take those steps to shift it into the next gear, to help them push the accelerator a little bit harder. Illustration, when I was first learning to uh, get my pilot's license, my very first lesson I had, Brian, my instructor, I'm in the pilot seat, which scared the living life out of me. He's over here in the co-pilot seat, but it was very encouraging knowing he had all access to all controls within hand's reach. But we come around and just I had a hard time taxing, let alone anything else. And so we get to the end of the runway. He goes through all the tests. We're there, and we're there at the end. He says, okay, here's what you do. You see that knob right there? You push it in, and you're going to take it off. And I'm like, say what? And he's like, you're going to take it off. Just go. I'm with you. Okay, you're with me. So we take off. We come down, and it lifts up. And you know, it was, it was just one of the most exhilarating moments in my life because there you are, scared living life out of you, and, uh, and yet you're floating. We get up a little while, not very long at all, because of the pattern. We get up, he says, okay, Doug, here's the deal. When, um, when you go ahead and make a left-hand turn and just turn whatever's comfortable to you. Okay, I can do that. So I'm there, and we're going, and we're coming up. And so he tells me, and so I go, okay, let's make a turn. So I go, and he just waited for about 10 seconds, and he said to me this, Doug, if you don't turn any more than that, we're going to have to fly around the planet to get back here again. And he said, it's okay. So I went from straight to this and a little bit more after him pushing me. But him right beside me. 
Sometimes we just need that. It's a little more. It's okay. I'm not asking you to talk on the radio. I'm not asking you to know how to do these other kinds of things yet. But I am asking you to turn more than like one degree. Okay? Let's kick it to ten. And in this process, we just get this idea that Paul is telling Titus, Titus, come alongside. Be the instructor in the co-pilot seat, helping churches to be able to uh, it further for the glory of Christ. And let's do that. Let's be that. I want to tell you, we're just two years old. We're two years old and God has blessed this place beyond what I've imagined. Beyond what most of us who were around when this got started could have ever imagined. And God is working. And yet we're two years old. We're not five. We're not ten. And we're not 15 or 20 or 25. We're two years old. And the reality is, is I've been trying to hold us into this thing of realizing we're young. Let's be about what we're really about. Let's key on those things because we're not 10. So let's not try and be too sexy for our shirt kind of a church. Let's just be what's core about us and let's move ahead. And as time goes along, advance it, move it, kick it up. All hands in the sled. We're learning together. This has turned out to be a lot bigger sled than I ever imagined. But it's about team. So, let me give you 10 acceleration steps to consider. 10 acceleration steps to consider. Doug, you've been talking about this and pushing about this, so what are some things I could do? Here we go. Number one, stake it. Stake it. What do I mean by that? I mean, listen, maybe it's the kind of thing where You've been coming here to church and the whole God and whole Jesus and Bible thing is new for you. And you're just in that place of trying to figure it out. I want to tell you, I love the fact that we have people that are doing that at that place, just trying to wrestle with and figure it out. But I do want to say this. It comes to a point in time where it comes to where I'd say this. The next advancement step for you would be to stake it. To receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. The scriptures say, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It might be for you the time where it's like, stake it. And by the way, in the last two weeks, two individuals have stuck it for Christ. That's cool. Maybe it's stake in it, but maybe for you, that's already been the case, but maybe number two, it's dunk it. In other words, you've come to Christ and you've never been baptized. And uh, what an incredible opportunity. We do baptisms here. And if you haven't been baptized, you've come to know Christ as your Savior and that's the next step for you. Listen, we'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to see that. We'll do it like the weekend before Christmas or start in the new year, whatever. But maybe that's the next step movement for you to be able to have an opportunity to among us, to among, if you will, people who are like-minded with you, just to be able to rejoice in what God has already done in your life and in your heart. Stake it, dunk it. Number three, maybe it's an acceleration step is sit it. In other words, uh, uh, regular church attendance. Maybe it's the kind of thing where one way you can up 
your involvement here and your involvement with Christ or whether it's another church, if you're looking for a church, is to come to the place where this is the church where I'm at and I'm going to just, I'm going to be there. I'm going to sit myself there. I'm going to be a part of it. I'm going to be under the teaching. I'm going to be around people. And maybe it's just getting more regular in your attendance. Number four, maybe it's join it. Join it. We are a church that is big about small groups. We have connection groups here. In fact, in your uh, update, we've got a registration form. We just finished small groups from this last fall. And uh, I already got it in because of what we're talking about today. And I'm going to tell you about what we're, talk- we're going to be studying in the spring here in just a second. But maybe for you, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know what, I just need to be able to have you know, three, to- three weeks out of four for three, three and a half months. I just need to be able to get around some other people so I can develop some relationships and so I can be able to grow with some people that are growing as well. And so be part of a small group. And if that's the case for you, sign up on that and get in. Maybe for you, you've been in a small group and it's the kind of thing to where you've kind of been in, but you haven't been full in. I just want to say, maybe you need to say, listen, God, this is the kind of thing I'm going to step it up by getting in my group and being there and getting the things done. And I'm in, I'm not just there. I want to tell you, I'm very excited about what we're doing in this, in the spring as we start back up January 31st that week. Uh, we're going to be studying through a series, Gripped by the Greatness of God. And uh, I think this fall series, if Nick and Eric and I could go back, we would redo the curriculum that we went with. But we went with that, and I know it's been tough for some to, to wrestle through, but I just want to say this. Thank you for persisting through. There's good stuff there. I think it was more academic. It ended up being more academic than I had intended for that to be. But it's the kind of thing where, listen, it's not just about the material. It's about relationships as well. And even sometimes it's about getting together in relationships and going, do you like not, do you like, not like this as much as I don't like this? <laughs> okay, amen. <laughs> so good concept, but uh, didn't fully work all the way around. But I want to show you this little clip about what we're doing here in the spring. It is the longing of every human heart uh, to be gripped by the greatness of God, to be captured at the core of our being, to be taken and and shaken by just how awesome and great God really is. We don't need to be gripped by God's greatness at church and or even just in a Bible study. What we desperately need is to be gripped by God's greatness where we live, where we drive, where we work in real life. And you know, that's where God wants to grip us. So get set, fasten your seatbelt. We're starting together this exciting study of the major themes of Isaiah called Gripped by the Greatness of God. so looking forward to this series. It's, I think it's going to match perfectly. Starting out in the year, I'm going to be doing a preaching series called Under Pressure, and we're going to be looking at people from the scripture that went through trials and hard things in life, and what does it look like? How do we hang under pressure? And this coming along with it is the fact of is you cannot hang under pressure in this world if you do not have a big view of God. 
And so the two are going to fit together really well, and you'll be having a workbook with it, but uh, uh, that's what's coming up. Join it, and not only a small group, but I just want to say here at this church, I mean, you've been here for a while, and you're like, you know what, this is my church home, and, I, and now it's time for me just to step in and become a member and uh, to be a part of this place. Um, it's just, it's the kind of thing that's a great help to us. It steps up the serving. We're really serious about the serving here. And uh, it's a big deal, and I think it's a big deal because God views it as a big deal. Uh, join it, fifth, change it. Maybe, as I talked earlier, just personal growth areas for you. Pick a characteristic. One of the ways that would help us be a more effective church is by all of us working on a specific area in our own life. Maybe you need someone to come alongside and have a side-by-side mentor with you that could help disciple you. Let us know. We'll get someone. Maybe it's kind of the type of thing you're going through some intense issues in your life or struggles in your life, and you need someone just to sit down and counsel with you. Listen, we have people here that can sit down with you and bring the scriptures and help you through those kinds of things and get you on this path of discipleship. Number six, give it. Giving. We don't talk about that. Well, the scriptures talk about it, so I talk about it. And I really don't have a problem with it because it's a big deal to God. Are you giving? If you're not, I just want to encourage you to be a giver financially. Uh, Maybe it's a type of thing you need to up your giving. Uh, Maybe you need to be more consistent. Um, I just want to say... Giving's a big deal. In fact, we're going to be in two weeks, we're going to be talking about vision, and then we're going to be talking about big, bold, bodacious vision, and then we're going to be talking about big, bold, bodacious giving in the arenas of time, talent, and tithe. It's a big deal. Maybe for you it's giving. I want to mention that, and I'm going to talk more about it uh, as we get there. We've got an envelope for future facilities fund. We're in the process here. We can't meet in the theater forever. In fact, I don't want to meet in this theater forever, not because I want a kingdom place, but I tell you, as time's going on, I'm seeing more and more how it sure would help to have a facility. And uh, we're working toward that. Last year, we just kind of did this on a spur of the moment, just kind of no big deal. We have no idea what's going to happen. And, and praise the Lord, we had $27,000. And during the vision week, I'm going to be taking probably 10, 15 minutes and talking about some facility issues and helping you get a perspective on what, even what's been going on for the last 10 plus months in our investigation, as well as what's it going to take. Uh, we've got about $27,000 in our future facility fund. Frankly, I'm just really praying that we get about 100 by the time the end of the year. In this economy, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm also going to tell you this, 100000 is a drop in the bucket for down the road. I don't know how. I'm just telling you. This isn't Zionsville, and this isn't Carmel. I don't know how, gang. Big God. And I don't know what he's going to do. I just want to bring up a quick map here. I'm going to talk about this more, but we've been, uh, we are looking in areas, the, the, the bigger square box is kind of the area that we've had uh, keyed in, has been from Rockville Road up to 200 or 300 north, and then we've got from Dan Jones over to Raceway, that's kind of the key area we've been looking. Another key area we've actually been looking is down the uh, west side of the 465 corridor right there, because we are a regional church. And there's some aspects about that that are very uh, interesting and very intriguing for us. But giving, stake it, dunk it, sit it, join it, change it, give it. I'll talk more about that in a couple weeks. And seven, serve it. Maybe it's the kind of thing you're wanting to serve, but you just haven't known what to do. Let us know. 
uh, maybe been coming and serving as a kind of thing. You're not quite sure what to do or how to do it, or maybe I'm going to be put in children's ministries if I ask to serve. Wouldn't that be cool? Didn't get a whole lot of response. <laughs> but I'm telling you, as if you want to know a little bit about me, that's an area that is a passion of my heart. We're just not watching, kids. We're discipling the next generation. And I want to call you and all of us to be a part of that. And I thank you. We have hundreds of people here in this church. There's no 80-20. Those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. There's no 80-20 here. And I love that. Serve it. Eight, go to it. I'd like for you to consider, and when I talk about vision here in a couple weeks, I'm going to make mention about uh, just extended ministries, and uh, we've been given an offer by option, opportunity by Big Harvest to consider upping some involvement specifically with Romania. If you didn't know, we had 30 people this summer go over to Romania uh, and helping with two harvest plants over there. I, maybe you need to just start making an account in your uh, budget for that. Maybe you'd like to go to Israel. I'd love to take a group over in maybe a couple years or next year. A couple years would love to do that. Or other things. Nine, read it. Ten, pray it. Maybe there's an area you just need to grow in reading in the scriptures. And ten, uh, just grow in your prayer life. Full throttle, baby. Together. Team Harvest, we've got an incredible opportunity ahead, and we're just starting. I have no idea what's ahead, but I do know this. There is a big God now and ahead, and bring it on. Let's go. All hands on deck. God, I thank you so much for our time together. I thank you so much for your patience and your grace to us. It's above and beyond. Lord, I thank you for how you've worked among us. I thank you for lives that are coming and growing in their understanding of you and what the scriptures say. I thank you that we are having people that are, for the first times in their lives, they are coming to a place of receiving you as their Savior. And we rejoice. And God, I thank you for people who are just uh, here and desiring to serve you. This isn't about a building. This isn't about a name of a church. This isn't about me. This is about you, and we get the opportunity to be able to see you big. And oh God, I pray you would give us a passion that is big, bold, and bodacious. Because it's from you, and because it's for you. We're here. May we be the kind of people that begin making some serious furthering steps for impact for you, for the glory of Christ. Amen.